creating cyberspace and welcome to episode 237 of the double density podcast with your host brian and angelo double density is your home to tech tales and paranormal prize now first things first angelo you were just complaining about how you prefer safari to chrome and i wanted to leave that in but i'm gonna give you another chance to elaborate on your preference of web browser is it a complaint when i'm talking about what i prefer what you said i don't like and i prefer using oh okay you well said i prefer chrome was too slow i don't like chrome I, I use it for work because it works best with our work system. But yeah, on my own time, I, I, I like Safari. I've been using Safari since 2003. Do you, um, would you ever consider going to Netscape Navigator? I used to use Netscape Na- Navigator when it existed. And now you don't. It, it no longer exists. It was my first internet experience i used to find the comet or whatever it was going around the letter n really of course yeah i thought that was the coolest thing ever and now your kids are like unless it's in 4k i don't care actually they're watching right now they are watching avatar the last airbender and uh my daughter the the show my daughter loved it i I introduced her to that and when do do they know that the movie exists yeah we were just talking about it I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, don't. We, well, I mean, we might just watch it for curiosity's sake. And uh, I'll wrap back around that when, uh, when I, I want to mention M. Night Shyamalan. Dude, it's um, not that hard to say his name. I know. I, I just I got tongue twisted. Anyway, yeah, my son said, this looks old. And he almost didn't want to watch it, but now he's really loving it. So he's old hooked. stuff is cool. Well, it's he's because it's, it's four by three. Right, it's not right. widescreen. Right. It's that old. Anyway, I watched uh, fill in the blanks with your mind. Yeah, well, they could. I watched a, a knock at the cabin, and I enjoyed it. It was okay. I, I read the book afterwards. The book's a lot better. Oh, it's a book. Yes, I did not know that. I like uh, Dave Bautista. He's pretty cool. I'm hoping he gets a really long uh, career in film. He deserves it. He was great in Blade Runner 2049. Of course, Guardians uh, in Dune. He's a really good actor. Who knew wrestlers could be actors? I know. So we took a break for two weeks. Uh, you were busy learning the guitar solo to Stairway to Heaven <laughs> yeah, during that time. That's all right? I did, Brian. That's I all wish. I so yeah. how was that experience? Like, Walk me through this. Like, I'm going to unlift the ban of talking about guitar stuff. I'm kind of curious. How was it for you? Well, you know, I've been playing guitar since like the mid-90s. And I never really took the time to learn any solos or anything like that. I always played chords and things like right. that. And You're just a Jim Blossoms said, guy. Yeah. I just gonna what is it? Carry you down, bring you down. What's the song? <laughs> follow you down. What is it? Before I forget, because I'm. It's follow you down. It's it follow, you, follow down. Okay. you down. Yes. So, are you more of a Gin Blossoms guy or a Collective Soul guy? Because I'm a Collective Soul boy. I went to see Collective Soul live. Oh, there you go. At the Spectrum, I want to say. Yeah, a, a now shuttered, destroyed, demolished uh, venue here in Montreal. Yeah, watching uh, that uh, blazing Ross Childress solo in uh, Shine. <laughs> Anyways, yes. So you're, you know, holding that guitar. You're trying to retrain your brain again a bit, right? Because you were well, more not of a retrain. Guy. I never really learned it, and but it's fine. Well, I meant tra- maybe not retrain, but reframe, right? So the idea of here being a chord guy versus a delicate, um, a tone player, let's say. Yeah, and whatever. It took a a bit of time, but it's it's actually not a hard solo. Now that I've like played it a few times, I don't play it well, but it's not. It's not outside of the realm of my skills. Let's right. put it that what, way. What is something that you like? So when you're playing this, when do you decide, like, I've practiced this enough for the moment and I'll give it a little bit of rest? When, I don't know, like when I, when I start getting uh, tired of it so I can give it a rest. Like if, 
if I so I, it's the same thing with something else we're not supposed to mention, but those games by a certain game company yes. where you keep playing and you keep dying. When when things stop working well, that's when it's time to stop and then take it over another time. So like I, so anyway, I'm working on that. That's it's going pretty good, and then I decided to tackle uh, the the song that was spoken in hushed tones when I was first talking about learning a guitar, and that would be Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson, which is way beyond my skill set. But it's just still a fun song to kind of like learn different bits and pieces of it. Yeah. in terms of making them actually fun exercises to play to train yourself. I was going to say, like, uh, you know, um, Eric Johnson, Close It Over, it reminds me of one of those Guitar World um, staples that, like, got mentioned a lot because I used to read Guitar World at the library all the time because I got free copies every month. So I used to, you know, that was one song that was, like, continually mentioned all yeah. the time. Yeah, exactly. And in the 90s, I didn't have readily available access to whatever song I wanted, so I never yeah. really heard it back then. Yeah. Well, same thing with Steve Ray Vaughan, right? Like, he's one of those revered guitar heroes that always ended up in Guitar World on a regular basis. And, like, I agreed. But it's just funny to see the regularity by which he was brought up, too. And by the time I was reading those, Steve Ray Vaughan was gone. Coming soon to a theater near you. Are you sorry, sir, that you brought your son along to see Alien? No, ma'am. I think you should have seen it. It's something that... He needs to know that things could like that could happen in life. That could be a true story. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for Ridley Scott's Alien. <laughs> Double density. Let us quickly move on to some uh, listener mail, and then we're going to talk about the <laughs> main topic of today's episode. So, firstly, we got uh, a pair of emails from Trish who wanted to highlight a couple of uh, fan footage um, things. One of them is the web series Things Unknown from 2015. So, it's all about these people who uh, go to Burning Man, come back, and then experience uh, terror during a UFO encounter. I've never heard of this. I have not, though I heard the other one that she um, suggested, another fan footage style. Um, paranormal movie called alien origin from 2012 which i have watched i didn't mind it of course it's one of those kind of like middle of the pack like it exists it's fine kind of movies um that being said though i forgot to tell you angela about the favorite pair of movies that i saw during fantasia fest so tonight uh, we're recording this on sunday august 6th and then i have uh two evenings of like um collections of short movies like new genre short movies but i saw a movie or two movies a couple of weeks ago angela that you would have loved 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 um there, so the the title of this together is called Doomed America, and it's all about the films of the Ormond family. So the Ormonds were um, exploitation filmmakers, and they get approached by this guy named Eustace Perkle, and that is his name, who's a preacher who's never seen movies, doesn't understand what they're at, but he understands that they can grab people. So, for example, um, uh, Eustace used to turn around the television in his hotel room if he was out of town, like that kind of guy. This almost sounds like something out of Pearl. Sort of, yeah, yeah, right? So Eustace is like this preacher from, you know, the South, and it's just, he pays the Ormonds money to help him bring his vision to life. And so I saw two movies. I saw If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do?, uh, and then The Burning Hell. And each of these movies is about 15 minutes long. What happens is that Eustace is kind of giving, um, you know, a sermon, but then intercut with a lot of, like, interesting skits and stuff. So the first one, If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do?, is all about the dangers of communism. There are two extremely great moments in there and i need to explain that um so before let me get into this first right so eustace perkle actually uses the congregation uh his congregation in the movies like so the the uh, about the does it like uh, 
the ability to act is awful. And so they have all these like communist characters. So at one point, this communist who is supposed to be Russian for some reason, but speaks like he's like an old Yiddish guy, um, tells a child that he has to stop on a picture of Jesus or yeah, else die. As, as communists do. And so uh, the child refuses. He yells at, and this kid's like six or seven. He says he wants to see his mommy and daddy. And then uh, the communist is like, no, you can't. So the kid goes, looks up in the air and says, Jesus, you died for me. Now it's time for me to die to you. And the communist just, machetes his head off and it bounces off like it's obviously like a, a, a ball that was painted over jesus so it's just it's really entertaining sermons with like accidentally super gory stuff and then what would happen afterwards is eustace or um another uh, you know preacher would come out and sort of talk about the movie and sort of like reaffirm it's like living chick tracks essentially okay well you reminded me i, I watched a horror movie this week what did you watch infinity pool oh yeah and it wasn't at all what I expected. No. Like, because I, I went into it not knowing anything about it. Right. Did you, so before I forget, so this is Brandon Cronenberg, like David Cronenberg's son. His second movie, his first one was Possessor. Did you see Possessor? We watched that. Yeah. You, I, yeah. you I suggested I watch yes, that. Perfect. I remember that. I found it hard to watch that one. It was really confusing and just weird. Yeah. This one was less weird. Also weird, but less weird. And, it's a different uh, flavor of weird. Yeah. Eric Northman's in it. He wasn't a vampire, though, which is weird. I like the idea that you judge his ability to act. Whether Every he's movie he's in, he's a vampire. He was he was a he was a vampire in. Uh, why is I blanking on the name? He was a vampire in Succession, right? Yes. Um. I mean, sure. Yeah. He was. A, he was a, a tech bro vampire. <laughs> yes, sort of. <laughs> what did you think of it? Would you recommend it to others? Yeah, just don't watch it with your kids. Not well, a kid friendly movie. Uh, any Cronenberg like, movie is not a kid movie. I was gonna, well, there's one. There's one uh, David Cronenberg movie about racing that could could work. It's called Fast Company. That's about okay, it. Not, not, not Videodrome. No, no, <laughs> no, not Videodrome. Or The Fly. Yeah. Okay, anyway, it's, it's good. I, yeah. I wasn't at all what I expected, but the whole time I'm like, what is happening? What's going to happen? How is this going to end? So what, whenever you get into a movie and your thought is, how is this going to end? You're always going to watch it to the end and really want to watch it. That's true. So if a movie creates an air of mystery, then Angelo is here. What about also, romantic wait, wait, comedies? Wait, wait. Before I, before I keep going, though, I had no idea that that, that is actually Mia Goth's actual accent, accent and voice. Yes. Yeah. Because I had no idea she was British, and she hides it so well in the other movies I've seen her in. It is, yeah. So Ty West, the director of House of the Devil, right? He directed both Pearl and X, and so he cast Mia Goth in both. And I'm very, very into the idea of Maxine whenever that comes out. That's the third one, right? And that I think yeah, is, is going to take place in the. It's going to take place in the present. In the eighties. Oh, in the eighties. Okay, because X was in the seventies or sixties. I can't remember anymore. X was in the seventies. Okay, that and was a good. Pearl one. was in the thirties. I preferred X to Pearl. I mm, I liked both for different reasons. I'm going to reserve judgment until I see Maxine and kind of rank the three. Okay. Double density. Angela, now it's time for another episode of Revisiting Coast to Coast. So last month, we decided to talk about prophecy. We decided to talk about one of your favorite people on Earth, John Hogue. Um, And so I found an episode that is on the cusp of Y2K, so September 1999. So by 1999, Y2K fever kind of, you know, hit a crescendo as we continued onward and upward into millennium. And there was a whole cottage industry of those things, right? So um, spoiler alert, you want to skip a couple of seconds ahead. But if you've seen this season's uh, Righteous Gemstones, there's a plot line all about that, right? About buying the the food preparedness emergency buckets for food. Definitely. Uh, Did you finish the season of that i sure did yeah and i really enjoyed that show and it ended 
in a way where they I had to actually double check to make sure it wasn't a series finale. No. Um, Danny McBride has mentioned that he doesn't like cliffhanger endings necessarily. And uh, if you've watched Vice Principals or Eastbound and Down, you kind of get a sense of that too. Vice Principals is really good. Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. I did not. I have not watched Eastbound and Down yet, though. It's different. I would love to hear your take on it because it's definitely the most outright raunchiest one by far. Jesus. So I can't imagine more raunchy. Well, than picture, the other picture, two. picture. Like it's it, he's a sports figure who's never grown up, right? So just think about that for a little while. Okay. Okay. But yeah, anyway, so good, good show. Yeah. So we uh, enter the night of September twentieth, nineteen. 99. Now, Angelo, I did some digging because I was like, who is John Hogue, right? If you have never heard of his name before, uh, I found his very empty LinkedIn, and his job title here is author, lecturer, meditation teacher, prophecy expert, rogue scholar. And if you go down, he's always Instagram, mentioned the rogue scholar thing, and I've actually seen it in one of his chirons. Yes. Um, so from 75 to 77, he was an opera singer for the Inter Uterpi uh, uh, Opera Company. Oh, that sounds uh, made up. He was a lead in musical comedy, Gilbert and Sullivan, other operettas in the Highfield Theater for a summer, I guess the summer season. And then since October 1983, he's led Hogue Prophecy Publishing. Now, I decided to click over and uh, read his Amazon bio to you. Are you ready? Sit down. Comfortable? Yeah. John Hogue describes himself as a rogue scholar. He is a world-renowned authority on Nostradamus and other prophetic traditions. His work is critically acclaimed for cutting through the social religious, and nationalistic projections of prophets and their interpreters to find threads of insight they all share. Futurist, accurate forecaster in his own right, creator of HogueProphecy.com, which kind of, uh, 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 talking about John Hogue because we had visited his awful website, which still exists, HogueProphecy.com. Go visit Yeah, it's stuck in the past, uh, ironically. Go visit it uh, in the show notes and uh, let your eyes bleed. I have no idea what it looks like on mobile, probably even worse. Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, optimized for mobile. According to this, though, and I, there's no source, he says that HogueProphecy.com has been called the Huffington Post of prophecy websites. That's a not a very current no sort of uh, this were a decade ago. I'd agree, right? Analogy, so yeah. uh, Hogue's been on 200 television and multiple appearances on over 1,200 blogs and talk shows. What blogs? Who cares? How old is he at this point? I mean, if we were to extrapolate, he's probably in his like mid fifties to, to late fifties, right? So he was doing opera when he was seven. No, so let's do some math in that case. Seventy. Was... You said seventy-seven. He was in the opera, right? Yeah. So let's say so, let's say he was born nineteen sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety. Uh, yeah, he's in so his 60s. like sixty years old. Yeah, he's in his mid mid. I'd say mid to late sixties if he was doing yeah. opera at that age. So, I I have nothing against John Hogue, other than he's. He well, seems okay. like so, he well, would be like a wet blanket at a party. Like the over-explainer guy? The but-actually yeah. guy? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I definitely get that vibe. Um, let me just finish this off here. Ho is an Associated Press best-selling author, as well as a number one bestseller of prophecy titles on Amazon. Well, there you go. Uh, he has apparently published 49 books in 22 languages and published over 1,000 articles on prophecy and current event trends for HoagueProphecy.com since 2000. He currently lives on an island in the Pacific Northwest. Huh. Okay. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, right, Angela? So um, the first hour slash 44 minutes is just Art doing his thing, reading about different kinds of news. And then um, we'll talk about the caller in a sec that comes up before the, the main guest. But uh, apparently the Russians are going to war again in 1999. Uh, more than two weeks of air and artillery strikes and the deployment of Russian soldiers around the borders of Chechnya have raised a stark question, is Russia on the brink 
of yet another protracted bloody war. Yeah, old news is new news, I guess. And there's a new virus as well. Yes. That's, yeah. uh, that's, uh, it's a new type of encephalitis that's affecting the Northeast. There's a few cases in New York. And Art thinks this is going to be a huge problem. Yeah, he's uh, worried that alert. we're going to be melting uh, organisms out of the Arctic yeah. ice and it spreads forward. Yeah, that was not a problem. It was not. And then uh, he then, um, I don't know why someone told him to do this, but he called a tobacco company and they're like, hold music slash like 1-800 number music, like, thanks them for being customers. So he thought that was very amusing. The whole thing was really weird. Yeah. I, it felt I, like it was a joke. I decided not to clip it because it was just too long and gratuitous. We have more important things to clip, but I thought that was kind of kind of on it. And then about 20 minutes in, I hear some Sean David Norton, some Ed Dames slander. I love it. So a caller calls in and he goes, Ed Dames, Sean David Norton, they're never right. And then Art kind of doubles down and being like, well, Ed Dames was right recently, but doesn't put to like what the recent thing is. And and Sean David Norton is a bit of a jerk. Right? Oh, he's definitely a hoxter, Absolutely. Like, he's in he prison is, right now. He's the epitome of the... Huckster, paranormal, psychic. Were you about to call him not a bad guy, though? No, definitely not a bad guy. Wait, no, he's not. He's not a. He's definitely not not a bad guy. As (laughs) I'm, I'm gonna do uh, my best impression of of Bill from Bill. There we go. Um, yeah. uh, And then uh, you decided you want to talk about the special tone that Art mentions during the episode. He mentions it three times during the episode. Uh, well, so I don't know what it is, and I'm wondering with your background in radio if you know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, he's talking about the stinger, the dun-dun, dun-dun stinger. So he's but why about is it specific to Canada? Because we, so, I'm not 100% sure, but what I understand is that there are different tones that U.S. systems at one point could connect to in order to sync up. Okay. That weren't happening in Canada until the early 2000s, where... You could sync everything up, and you get information from the satellite that was broadcasting this properly, so you didn't have to worry about syncing things up. Okay, and it was, and if you can, can you put the tone in? Do you have us? I do. I have the, the clip the right here. All right. Well, uh, there's that little tone again. People are bitching about that little tone. We're thinking about it. It's a favor we're doing for our Canadian neighbors so they know when to do a certain thing. And that's why that's in there, in case you were curious. We could put something else in there, I suppose. Because I didn't even... I tried to notice it, and I kept not being able to notice it in the in the episode. Now, also, around the same time, he talks about Ed Dames predicting something coming out of Africa. And Correct. I guess it's this encephalitis disease. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's, a, it's such a neat package, right? Like a, a little tiny bow. And then... We get the one of the two most bonker calls of the night where a guy calls in about his very, very boring alien encounter. And I'm going to drop that here. Hi, uh, this is Andrew from Nashville. How, hello, Andrew. I've uh, been trying to get in contact with you about this uh, Face, on the Mars, Face on Mars movie. Yes. Well, 1955, I had an alien encounter. I know people think you're nuts, you know, but so no, what? No, I don't think you're nuts. Well, not, not yet, anyway. Tell me, yet. Well, I tell me about it. Well, what happened is uh, I kept seeing people run past me so fast you couldn't make them out, and I chased one, and and he just disappeared, you know, went around, went around a corner. And, uh, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, while I was blocking the sidewalk, and a couple of days later, they ran the other way. Mm-hmm. You just leave a wind with your swoosh, you know. And uh, then one day I was in a grocery store mm-hmm. uh, a few blocks from my house, and uh, 
You are beginning to test me a little now. Really? I'm serious? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You were in a grocery store. Yeah, and I noticed this alien squatted down where the vegetables are, the canned vegetables. How did, you, how did you know it was an alien? I could see his face. He's trying to cover himself with a white hat. And and what did the face look like? He had human eyes, but yeah. the rest of it ceases there. He had a lower mouth, you know, near his chin, and, and like a typical alien. But he had human eyes and no hair. I didn't notice any ears. And uh, he talks better English than I do. But uh, he asked me Well, about why it. was he interested in the vegetables? I guess he eats. They had four of them over there. Well, you know, it's actually somewhat comforting to know that they might be vegetarian. It could be. Yeah, that's good news, actually. But anyhow, I, some he asked me if I'd open the door real wide for him when I left, and I said, sure. Yeah. And uh, some fat woman got up there, and she opened it wide, and all of a sudden it seemed like a windstorm went out that door. <laughs> and people said, what, who, what now, did, it go, did it go right through her, do you think, or past her? I mean, was she past so her. big... It actually went past her. Oh, he's only about five foot eight and weighs about seventy pounds. He's a real skinny fellow. That's really skinny. And uh, yeah, he really. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, he. Uh, you know, you know. Okay, I know what you're encountering. You know about the the Men in Black? No. You don't know about the Men in Black? Oh, I think. Um, yeah, I think somebody coming by and you know. Stealing evidence and stuff like that. Well, these are the fast black, they call them. Well, these guys, I tell you, they run like a wind. You can see the back of them when they, they're about a half a block away before you even recognize what happened. All right. Well, I give that story about a six on a, on a scale of ten. I'm not saying what you're saying is not so. <laughs> I mean... Over in the vegetable section? How much boring and mundane can it get than that? We go to the grocery store. This guy wants out. This woman opens the door and then flies. The little alien flies out. Okay. And Art was having none of this because he actually told them that he was beginning to test them. Yeah, and they gave a 6 on 10 to the story, which is a very generous 6 on 10 because I would have probably given it like a 3. Yeah, you saw somebody at the grocery store that was probably a little weird. Angela, I have bad news for you. Uh Uh-oh. There's a there is a supernova in 1999 that happened that we're not aware of. Prediction that on the 3rd of October is when the supernova shall occur, either that day or shortly thereafter. What was that? October what? October 3rd. Sure. That's next Sunday. Well, that doesn't give us much time. No. Now, this is, I would classify this also as a bonko, bonkers call. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I think we had three bonkers calls. Um, so, I'm going to play a bunch of clips here. Why you think our son is going to be the victim of such, or we're going to be the victim of Arizona on, on this specific date. Well, I've uh, worked through the physics, and I know how neutrinos work now. Well, I'm happy for you, but and we haven't worked through all that, so can you give me some, some science behind what you're saying? Uh, I can't go through the science with you. It's, it's Why not? too much. Try me. All right, in 1993, there was a core collapse of our sun. It was caused by a massive amount of sodium-22. Wait a minute. In 93, there was a collapse of our sun? Core collapse. Nobody, reaction zone. But nobody noticed. That's right. It wasn't supposed to be noticed. See, a massive amount of sodium-22 was put into our sun to consume carbon-12. What foul person did that? That was the Galactic Federation. 
They did so to prevent... What about the old, um, you, you know, the prime directive? How about that, huh? Their prime directive is to protect son. life. It's not to, life. They can interfere as much as they want. So you're saying they did this to help us? They did this to help us, and it was a very big deed of fortune for us. Well, if that's true, then why would they let our son explode on October 3rd? Well, you see, back on July 14th, July 14th, President Clinton found out about it and sent our space forces against another planet. So he pissed them off. And Basically. that is a uh, death penalty for an entire planet. I see. So, yeah. so the, the, the entire planet's demise should be blamed on Bill Clinton. That's well, a pretty heavy load. All right. Well, thank you very much. And then uh, talk about how... Bill Clinton is the source of all of our dooms, Angelo. This guy has done the science. He's done his research. He's done his own research even he's back done, then. He's done his maths. Yeah, they were, they were doing their own research, doing their maths. And he's discovered that there's a core collapse of our sun coming. And it's because... Now, this... If you think that's crazy, it's because the Galactic Federation put salt in the sun? <laughs> it was supposed to be a good thing too. Angel, what do you know about the Galactic Federation? I all I know is I'm pretty sure this call was a joke. It was a joke, but the the term Galactic Federation has existed for a long, long time, right? It's a supposed alliance of like different aliens banding together. Like this this has been discussed ad nauseum almost uh, a number of times um so in the you, last couple of decades. And you know for a fact that this call was a joke. I don't think it was a joke. I think someone was not well, but I think they were using all the right buzzwords, right? Angry at uh, Bill Clinton and then talking about the Galactic Federation. So, you know, the best of the worst. I thought, the, isn't the Galactic Federation in Star Trek? I mean, yeah, there's a federation, correct? Oh, that's the United Federation of Planets, the USP. Yes. Sorry, yeah. it's different. <laughs> yeah, but there have been multiple callers throughout the years that have called Coast to Coast talking about the Galactic Federation in different ways. Um, so this has kind of been like a longstanding thing. It's like a, kind of like a catch-all to explain like the alien forces. Yeah, I guess. So then um, so after that Bakker's call, we get introduced to John Hogue, but not before Art mentions something interesting. We are in the time of Nostradamus, aren't we? Dead smack in the middle of the time. And I contend, between now and the spring of 2000, we are going to be in for one wild ride. Yeah, we're in the middle of Nostradamus, he says. Like it's the it's the time the September yeah. end of September to the spring of two thousand that's when it's all going to happen. So right? what do you make of that? What do you make of that? Like that's like that's a very vague kind of like assumption, right? And this man has done things like you know talk about the oncoming global superstorm and things like that. So he has done some predicting, but not a ton. And, and I'm talking about earlier, right? So I think that like you know it's safe to say that there's going to be some changes at the turn of the millennium, but uh, who knows. But there's always changes coming. So you're you're constantly correct in saying there's changes coming. And you know if it it's off by a year, but you know just uh, a year a year later, well two years later from this, we get September 11th. It's true. Uh, Like uh, 11 months and what, like 15 days? Yeah. Well, no. This is so. This is September 19th. Sorry, uh, one year, 11 months, 15 days. Yeah, exactly. There's some numerology in there too, Brian. Yes. And then uh, I'm going to drop a clip here about how, what Hogue's been up to. Renowned prophecy expert John Hogue has collected 1,000 1, such predictions for the days to come. 
Listed by subjects of topical interest to our times, as all humanity sits poised on the brink of a new millennium, are we headed for Eden or Armageddon, or maybe, maybe both, one to follow the other, I wonder. And then also, I want to kind of pause here and talk about some of the things that Zhang Ho, things are happening in this transitional moment. And then there shall be, in the month of October, some great movement and transference. And it will be such that one will think that the earth has lost its natural movement and that it will be plunged into an abyss of perpetual darkness. There will be initial omens in the spring, I mean spring of 2000, and extraordinary changes in rapid succession thereafter. Reversals of kingdoms and mighty earthquakes will increase. This will increase with the new Babylon, which may be an allusion to Iraq. Dark times, Angela. Power transfers us. And uh, Babylon? Maybe Iraq. Interesting. I So, okay. So, speaking of John Hogue, he's showing up now. And he's kind of likable, right? And I'm going to get into that later. But he, like, so a lot of what he says, there's, like, this layer of, like, I agree. But then you add the layer of prophecy, and that's where you lose people, right? Because everything is done in reverse, He's looking at these quatrains from Nostradamus, of which he starts. At, uh, I don't know when he mentions this, but uh, it, the, the, he starts talking about like far flung future ones, which we never really discuss. But everything he talks about is in retrospect. So, of course, hindsight's 2020. Like, literally, that's where the saying comes from. Where, of course, if you look at Nostradamus things and you kind of like put them in to certain things, there's something like. I'm sure some people talked about the Great Terror in 1999 and then being, oh, no, it was off by two years, and it was September 11th. Correct. Um, speaking of Y2K, though, here is John Hogue's thoughts on Y2K and Nostradamus. And then one day, in his vision, looking across the world and seeing large portions of the world go dark. Yes, it would be like... Could he have been seeing Y2K? Well, I think it could definitely be that. Uh, I, I think, I always felt, uh, even years ago, that America would probably go through relatively good good times with it, not too many problems in the major super system grids, but uh, what's the big unknown is the little guy, you know, the little businesses, people who just haven't had time. He did not see it coming, so that's interesting. Because nothing was going to happen. Like, we know, in hindsight, of course, he didn't see it coming because there is nothing to see. Right. we got to remember, like, this is 1999. This is fresh. This is on the horizon. Yeah, no, no. But what I'm saying is that, yeah, he didn't see it coming because there was nothing to see. And now I'm sure John Hogue says, well, Nostradamus doesn't talk about Y2K because, as we know, nothing happened. Oh, good one. Yeah. And so uh, John has a, a network of psychics working, and here's how long we think before we're going to go through some kind of global correction, right? So in that kind of way that we're, the Earth is kind of shifting over. And uh, some, some of my uh, contacts and psychics and others are seeing a collective vision that we've got about three more years of, of this illusion, this bubble, before it has to go through a major correction. So 2003, Angelo, uh, off by two years, we could argue, right, if you were talking about September 11th again? In terms of a, a shift in in global politics, but not Correct. the way, like, the actual globe no. operates. Yeah, there's, no, there's no, you know, a polar inversion, right? There's no like, polar yeah. inversion. They keep talking about that, that, and, you know, physicists have nothing to do. Maybe, 
Uh, he misunderstood the word physicist for like political scientist. <laughs> Maybe. And then uh, here's like a really weird description of what's going to come ahead. We tend, uh, we have the Great Collider in Long Island, which actually parallels some of the potential interpretations for Edgar Casey's prophecies about the destruction of New York. Oh, for those who don't know about that, the Collider uh, is going to do something that has never been done before. They're saying they're going to create a mini Big Bang. Now, the Big Bang was really big. It accounts for, it is said, everything that is now that we can see and touch, Earth, Sun, all the planets, everything else, all the other stars out there, in other words, all that is. That was the Big Bang. So my question is, What's a mini Big Bang? Well, uh, it's, you know, there are these prophecies about a great scattered flame uh, covering the new city, which is often implied by interpreters to be New York. New York. And uh, there's also Edgar Casey looking in his future life. He had a visionary dream where he saw himself born in Nebraska in the year 2100, and he was taken by these scientists with very thick glasses and long beards uh, into a cigar-shaped silver ship, which hovered over the new coastal areas of Nebraska, which are now the Pacific, and uh, the ruins of New York City, which were just being rebuilt. And as it says in my book, 1,000 for 2,000, they were being rebuilt. He couldn't be clear whether it was destroyed in a war or by some disaster. And hopefully uh, the scientists who are making bets on this one in November when they're going to start up that machine are will be as lucky as the scientists standing in Alamogordo in 1945 who were betting 50-50 with Oppenheimer that the the atomic bomb would start a chain reaction. And, and because John Hogue can see into the future, he drops an Oppenheimer shout-out. And Oppenheimer, of course, is, you know, of the moment. So shout-out to you, John Hogue, for being right about He that. foresaw the movie? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Art's still worried about those Arctic life forms. He brings them up multiple times. He's really concerned about it. It's, 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 it's this episode's version of the Ouija board. Isn't that part of the first X-Files movie, though? Like the Black Fight Goop? the Fugitive? Yeah, the like, one about going in the Arctic? Yeah, maybe. I, the X-Files, I loved as when I watched it, but I don't remember anything about it. It's just one big blur. Right. Like, I don't even remember, like, they did a follow-up series, no, a few years ago? They did, yeah, and they also had Fight the Future, which was the second movie. But you don't remember that, that awesome shot of David Duchovny falling down the snow? Because the, the craft was, like, there? Okay. Yeah, I, honestly, I, if you asked me to explain the, like, the top five things that happened in the X-Files, I wouldn't be able to do so. Do you remember the names of the two characters? Yeah, yeah, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the T-1000's name, character name, in the X-Files? Ooh, you look scared. Oh, uh, what's his, I can't remember his real name. Patrick something, right? Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. He yeah. played John John Doggett, which is just an unfortunate John name, Doggett. Wow, what a generic federal <laughs> agent name. I know. Mr. Smith would have been even better at that point, right? They, they That was going to be uh, hitting into the Matrix copyrights. Was that even out by then? I don't even know. Uh, Season 7. So yeah, right around there, a little bit before that. Fun fact is that... yes. The in the Matrix, Keanu Reeves was up against Agent Anderson. Correct. Right? No, he was Mr. Anderson. Agent Agent what was the name? Agent, Agent Smith. Agent Smith. And then when he came back to play Ted Theodore Logan, his daughter is the niece of Agent Smith. 
you know, time is a flat circle, right? Yeah, actually, not his daughter, Bill's daughter, Ted. Bill's daughter is... is I feel like your brain's short circuit uh, yeah. about this thing. Yeah, like, anyway, you need to draw it yeah, as like a family I, tree almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. We're losing our audience at this point. But anyway, <laughs> you'll understand it if you look up uh, who Hugo Weaving's niece is. She plays some... Samara plays, Weaving is who you're yeah, talking about. Yes, yes she's awesome. And uh, I was about to say Samara Weaving. Yeah. But, so, anyway. so, but I mean, she was in Ready or Not, which was a great movie, right? That so, is one of my favorite horror movies of the last 10 years. Breaking news. How Area 51 is actually a top secret military base where they conduct some sci-fi type. The military base is just to cover people and it's all underground so you can't see it. The government already has access to real life lightsabers. Anyways, uh, back to talking about terror in the sky. So this is this next clip is maybe an approximation of what terror in the sky actually means. Nostradamus, if I am not uh, uh, incorrect, and I may be, predicted the king of terror coming from our sky some in the seventh month, uh, and that has been interpreted to be July through September. Well, September is just almost gone, and. If it's here, I'm not, I, you know, I don't see it. Um, and so ob- it's an obvious question for you, John. What do you think? Well, I said in the last few years that I had a sense that I would know clearly what it was if July came and went. And uh, and it was such a clear prophecy that I already come out with what I think is at least my interpretation of what the King of Terror is. And it's you got to understand that Nostradamus is often using people sometimes to hide things and things to hide people in his strange codified nebulous form of prediction and so it was never clear if the king of terror was a person or a phenomenon sure. descending from the skies sure and so with that said and looking at in general at the whole dearth of prophecies from other traditions I have to conclude that the king of terror descending from the skies is our climate going out of control. So once again, like John Hogue talking about global warming, like you have to respect where he's coming from. But the way in which he got there was so friggin weird. He has a roundabout way of coming to his predictions, which obviously, I mean, yeah, global warming is a major problem right now. Unless, depending on what what your political views are, because if you, <laughs> depending on what you see in uh, and on Facebook, some some Facebook groups tell you that uh, global warming is still a myth. These fires, Brian, they're fake. They are fake, yeah, yeah. and it's fine. I'll live. Yeah, yeah, they're they're made up. I just got another smog warning for tonight, so that's fun. So yeah, so global warming. I mean, he's he's off by like twenty something years, where it's actually now starting to really catch up to us. It's also called climate change now. Yeah, yeah, because it's because the, you know, the politicians. Yeah, the politicians had to change the name uh, just to cover them. <laughs> um, so, speaking of things outside our, our own kind of like uh, sphere of influence, we have the sun. So, here's some more sun talk. Absolutely, and they've just recently come out with uh, new warnings about how the sun is out of balance again, and it may enter into a solar flare-up that uh, 
may be the biggest in 500 years. So uh, it is that will trigger probably Nostradamus's prophecy about the great drought that covers the 48th latitude, which is where all the northern hemisphere grain belts are. My God, they love to talk about like solar flares. Do you okay? Do you remember the kill shot? Solar angel? flares are genuinely scary, though, right? Because right now, with all our tech that we have, one bad Carrington event will like ruin the world. Right. For a second, I think I said Karen, uh, Karen event. No, Karen events. Call your manager. <laughs> so yeah, carrot so, top events have props for comedy ed dames was really big on the kill shot like the the solar flare that would knock us all out and he kind of toured on that for a couple of years i don't know if you remember that at all but it was just uh, it was friggin wild no not at all and then art kind of says something curious here that i want to i want to play and then unpack yeah we could be hit any time we yeah. we know only a small fragment of the number of uh uh, real killers out there, rocks that are sailing by us, and we're not going to get any warning. I mean, they're, they're always talking about having warning, and they make movies about it and all the rest of it. We're not going to get any warning. Uh, most times, scientists report in the newspaper, Earth had a close encounter last Thursday, and that's the first they knew of it. Yeah. So if it were to happen, we'd get no warning. It would just happen. So Art talks about how if there is something here, we wouldn't get governmental warning because he, he uses the analogy of like, you know, the, the government tells you when like we, there's like a near miss, but they'll like they'll never tell you when something catastrophic would happen, which has happened. So my problem with that is that there's so many international agencies watching the skies now that that would probably be like practically impossible to keep a secret sooner rather than later. Someone is going to spill the guts, the, the beans or spill their guts about, a, a, you know, a forthcoming um, object of some sort kind of coming into Earth. Yeah, haven't you watched the uh, the movies about that? It always uh, leaks through. Well, he was comparing things to like, you know, on Independence Day, we got to find out, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, and he's saying like, if it actually were to happen, like we'd have no warning. And I guess, but at the same time, we would have warning because people would want to do something about it or a certain section would, right? So quick question, Deep Impact or Armageddon? Armageddon, even though it's the more ridiculous concept. I mean... If you're going to send somebody to fix the the, the sky, you're going to send uh, deep oil drillers. <laughs> that was my favorite. I think we played this before, but the Ben Affleck thing where he kind of yes, explains. He's like, why don't you yeah. just train astronauts to drill instead? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. And then um, they, they mentioned how people, young people just don't care about stuff. They just don't care about predictions, far-off predictions. Young people, you and I, Angelo, they, just, they don't care. It's the uh, circle of life when it comes to how young people just don't care. The same young people from the early 2000s are the old people now saying that the young people don't care. My bones hurt. My bones hurt so much, Angelo. Being alive yeah. is perilous. Yeah. Kids right, these so days, then, Brian. So then uh, Hogue decides to make some predictions. But I would tell those young people that there's something just around the corner that's, that's, that is going to affect their lives, and that's like the fossil fuel super system collapse in 2010, the potable water uh, collapse by the 2020s. So he's 0 for 2 here. There's no fuel collapse. There's no loss of potable water by the 2020s. Uh, we are in 2023. I can still turn my tap on. How, for how much longer, I don't know. Because um, he's not wrong about certain things, but I think also the problem is attaching timelines to things is problematic, right? Yeah, maybe he's seeing 2110 or 2100. He had the one in the wrong place. <laughs> I do like the idea that he's just... Imagine being... A prophecy expert with dyslexia. And I, I yeah, this is, this is not an insult to dyslexics. I totally like, I, there's a couple in my life and I adore them. But just imagine that you are so date critical that at the same time you have to pay attention to these things. And then you just, you don't have no, and you can kind of, you know, slide off and be like, oh, I was, I was right and I was wrong. Yeah, you can actually use it as a crutch and come back on it and say that, oh, no, no, I, I made a mistake. 
like be a fake dyslexic when it comes to doing that. And then Ho talks about how there's like numerous ecological disasters anyway and ruining the earth, which I actually agree with. Like that kind of stuff, all of this stuff that he's saying, I agree with. But when he attaches the layer of prophecy to it, it's, it's where I like my brain just breaks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, we literally mentioned one just a few minutes ago when we talked about the smog. Well, there you go, right? And then so the, the conversation kind of shifts. So Art asks about different groups, organizations, you know, kind of like I think he was inferring like the Illuminati who want to keep um, the population down, right? Is that infamous Area 51 caller had mentioned uh, two years prior to 1999? Some eugenics what, and stuff uh, like that? This is what Hogue has to say. But there are plenty of people out there who believe that there are certain organizations or groups that understand that fully well and have plans to reduce the population to the area of about 2 billion at the appropriate time. Comments? Well, uh, whether there are people out there planning it or whether our own kind of collective sleepwalking towards that future will do it i think uh, it i doubt that we can get through the first half of this next century without billions of people passing on because we just can't sustain what we're doing and you know humanity can either choose to either control our numbers and 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 change the way we behave to kind of soften that blow or we'll just have to go through that blow, and then the survivors will be wiser, and maybe we'll create a better society from the pain rather than from the understanding. And then a minute later, John Hogue drops that he used to be a pest control guy, which I thought was very, very funny to me that in one of his past lives, he was a pest control guy. Among being an opera singer. <laughs> yeah, in between gigs is opera singer. Yeah. So then we are kind of almost halfway through, and Art kind of brings something up, right? He says, prophets, even the good ones, don't matter – because only God will choose a time and place when the end will take place, right? So Hogue argues that no one looks at the people judging the people judging the prophets and sidesteps the actual question and then doesn't actually um, press him on it. So, Angela, what do you think about uh, people who are, uh, you know, uh, prophet deniers? This is the most religious I heard Art get in a while. Is he, was he a religious man? No. Okay, so what what is he bringing up God then for? I feel like maybe some of his listeners are like faxing in or saying like you know like there's a whole God element to all these prophecies. Okay, right? okay. Only only God knows the time and the place of the ends, and so like for you to to meddle in this, it seems kind of weird um, because nothing you're saying is actually true, and so. Oh, kind of just, you know, does like the Spider Man meme where he's like pointing at other people and things, right? So he's just he's trying this, to like deflect. That's what you do when cornered with this type of question. I kind of calls into question your entire reason for being <laughs> that is correct yeah so right. it's everything he works on is about prophecy it's his entire life and his art thing. is kind of like just calling it into question here by saying yeah whatever just god will decide at the end yeah and so i think that like there's an interesting there was an interesting discussion to be had that was not had i think there at that point right of like prophecy versus belief like how the two kind of intermingle right and obviously if you are coming from a religious you know system of operations in your brain then of course a prophecy is wrong but what if it was god's plan to drop a prophet into your life too right like i, I you know we could always play devil's advocate and kind of go down the the rabbit hole of like Right, but like maybe this was God's plan for John Hogue to be a messenger of, of prophecies. Yeah, and I think that's why it was avoided because as soon as you start bringing in some sort of deity into things, yeah, it's just their will at that oh, point. Oh, before I just... forget, I, I forgot to mention this, Angela. But I uh, speaking of deities and 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 religious programs, I got a flyer for a Scientology video 
Okay. In my Are mail you gonna go? this week. So you gonna I was actually, uh, I posted a video about going and then uh, listener Nick reached out and he told me to watch out um, about not giving them um, too much information. But the good news is I've done this kind of thing before and I always give fake name, fake email address, fake number, fake everything in order to not be able to be traced back. So that way my only time there is the one time and uh, they can't do shit to me. Is, Hello, is kind of my name is John Hogue, my website. I should, honestly. My name is Whitley Strieber, you know. Yeah. Or my name is Mr. Dianetics, perhaps. But yes, so Nick, don't worry. I have history in uh, soft infiltration of uh, organizations. And so well, if I decide Ronald. to do it, I'll do it. I'm Ronald Leopold Hubbard. <laughs> R.L. Hubbard, get it? Instead of L. Ron Hubbard, see. I wish, I wish, I wish this my keyboard had like a dump button, like a Did radio they, show. Would, would they figure you out if you talked if you mentioned your last name was Hubbard? Oh, maybe I don't know. Mother Hubbard, right? I could do that. Yeah, Elroy Hubbard. All that to be said, we're talking about the future. We're talking about what people uh, from the past might think of the future. We're talking about different types of humans. I'll drop the clip here. And I, I can imagine that if I were speaking from the 1600s, 16th century, and, and, and looking into my little water bowl and getting in a trance and seeing human beings meeting some other extraterrestrial life for the first time, that I, just as we were talking earlier about misinterpreting a blackout in Bombay, a man from the 16th century might misinterpret descriptions of fantastic, angelic, or monstrous-looking people as... Uh, Space extraterrestrial civilizations that humanity may deal with in the future. Dog-faced people, Angelo. So these are the uh, very far future Nostradamus predictions. Correct. That are really never brought up, and I. It's because they're so far in the future. It's just Nostradamus being his own science. He Nostradamus basically invented science fiction writing. I mean, this was in the 1800s, right? And that, I mean, like, you know, not to be pedantic, but there's a longer history of science fiction than that. Um, well, that was, it, I... was, it, was it Nostradamus in the 14 or 1500s? Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, the, 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 what was I thinking about? Because he mentions the 1800s at one point, and it that's has maybe to be Edgar one Casey. of the books. No, well, they're also like one of the books that, that comes about that's like rediscovered is in the, the 19th century. Okay. Um, I apologize. You were right. Uh, that rarely happens, but okay. Not the apology, but me being right. Yeah. And then uh, there's an interesting discussion, actually, that I wanted to talk to you about, about um, the idea of, like, to someone from the year 1000, right, how we look, how these cars look, how this airplane looks, you know, it could be foreign to them. It could be alien to them, right? So how do they not know that this is an alien civilization? I thought that was a really interesting progression versus alien kind of discussion about the two tracks of, like, human evolution and time going forth. Yeah, to Nostradamus, who was, like, looking in his little magic mirror, and he saw these things. They would have seemed alien to him. I mean, hell, if so, you you brought four year old Brian a iPhone in nineteen ninety, your head would have exploded. He would have called nine one one real fast. Yeah, on that phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After being uh, after figuring it out, but then you know the it kind of devolves into a discussion about genetic slaves, like organ harvesters, right? Like growing people for their organs, which I thought was kind of <sighs> interesting. You didn't love that, and then obviously the thing that you love less than that is talking about horny stuff. Yeah, that was just Art, the end sometimes... of the orgasm on demand orgasms. You're making the weirdest, most unfortunate face right now. Yeah, but it's, art gets really weird sometimes. Oh yeah, he, like he he definitely like he. There's definitely like some horny on main energy sometimes with him. I yeah, I he worries me. <laughs> I mean, he worried you, right? Unfortunately, he worried. Yeah, he's yeah. Have I, like my one of my questions for you is 
have you ever read a John Hogue book? Uh, I have like two I've leafed through, and I leafed through one yesterday. They're not, they're not worth their time, Angelo. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you, as if you're very surprised, but they're not worth their time. Yeah, it's not, it's not something that uh, would exactly So, be. okay, but the kind of funny thing about this is they're talking about all this horny talk, and then they talk about how you would not need the concept of, like, needing a body anymore. Your consciousness would kind of exist as a post-body. And this would happen in the age of Capricorn, right? So right now we're in the age of Aquarius, so we evolve into the age of Capricorn, so approximately 4080. So all the horny on mean people will have to wait, like, another 2,000 years before being able to uh, do things to themselves whenever they want to. Yeah, and then we start moving on to Nostradamus using the word Mars to mean war. Yeah, so I'm going to drop the clip here. Uh, Nostradamus saw how much period of trouble before something changed. 27 to 30 years. He talks about a 27-year war of the Third Antichrist. 27 years of war? War, and but he uses the word, there's a link to that in that July 1999 prophecy where he implies war by using the word Mars, the god of war, yes. or the, the Martian planet. Right. But, you, but it's, it would be uh, premature to just use one definition in the, in the occult jargon of that. I mean, Mars has two definitions, basic definitions. Its, it's lower aspect is war, loss of temper, arguments, thinking, acting before thinking. Why is that, by the way? In other words, why I, I think the guy wrote the book called Women Are From Venus and Men Are From Mars, right? Right. Meaning men are warriors. Yeah. Why, why does Mars mean this? Why does Venus mean that? It, it's in the language of astrology. You know, for me, I don't consider astrology a science as much as it is a, is a language. Uh, it's an occult language. And at the end of that clip, very interestingly, um, John Hogue describes astrology as an occult language that you need to understand, which I thought was like a very interesting way of, of describing it. I've never heard uh, astrology being described as a language. Yeah. Like a language was, is a system of, of signs and codes, right? Like that like are, are usable, employable, and teachable. And we'll get into it later how much you actually need to know to be able to study Nostradamus. Oh, that made me mad, but we'll continue. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to draw a clear here about how prophecies uh, get done. And, you know, a lot of people uh, who don't like uh, or are skeptical about prophecies say, oh, well, you know, they're always hedging their bets, the prophets. And and I say, yes, exactly. Uh, if If you're talking about future potentials, how else can you be than to show you here's the positive and the negative potential of the actions you commit today? Absolutely hedges, because... We are the ones that are making that future happen. We can go the good way or the bad way. We can win or we can lose the gamble. So this is a very interesting kind of um, way of avoiding to give any responsibility to prophets like Nostradamus who existed 700 years ago. Yeah, it's, he was basically like a futurist cold reader. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, also, like, uh, I'm going to play the next clip here in conjunction, and then we'll come back to it. How good is the record of Nostradamus? Well, there are a whole lot of his prophecies, 800 plus, that are open to interpretation because he wanted them to be open to interpretation. Fine. Uh, because, uh, you know, for the very reasons where I've been clearer about certain things in the future which are very shocking, yes. he, was, he wanted to coax it, as he said. He said, I, for a long time I, I withheld my pen from paper and kept silent because of the harm that I might do. 
if people of my present time could see how their current fantasies and expectations and religions and governments would be so vastly changed in the future, they would damn their own future. And so I decided to cloud my work in nebulous, wild poetry. And he did that probably for some other reasons, too. There, you know, some, some pretty bad people were interested in his prophecies, like Joseph Goebbels. Oh, I, I think they would have burned him at the stake or cut yeah. his head off or put him on the rack or whatever they did to people like that at that time. Yeah, that, that was the initial issue. He had a family to take care of. He was a Christianized Jew. It was an intolerant time. And if it wasn't for his powerful friendship with the Queen of France, he would have been killed. So one of the interesting things is that Art asks, how accurate is Nostradamus? And John Hogue's like, oh, you know, he, he was like coding his words kind of because he didn't want to get in trouble. And then like he didn't want people to misinterpret it uh, in the future. And like he brings up people like Hitler. And he's just like, well, you know, if Hitler read the certain things, then that would have uh, worked out in a certain way. And I, just, I feel like it's a very cop-out answer of like, you know, like he wasn't. 100% accurate. He wasn't wrong, though, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, because everything is so open to interpretation and it can mean anything. Hitler was just upset he spelled his name wrong and he called him Hister. <laughs> yeah, he really, like, he was just, you know, uh, Nostradamus and him uh, were not going to see it at the same lunch table um, in the, like, cross-time nexus or and whatever. When I was in, in high school and the Prophecies of the End of the World show came out talking about how Nostradamus said they talked about Hister and then Mabus would show up. Remember him? Oh, yeah, of course. And we would joke about Malbus is going to come and get us, but uh, uh, who is he? The the Antichrist, apparently, or the third Antichrist, depending on how you want to read that one, according to Nostradamus, right? So everybody was talking about how it would, it would be Saddam Hussein. But, uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Like, that didn't work out. No. Uh, he's uh, gone, and we're still here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting that like you talk about the idea of like using coded language, but the coding is so ingrained that you actually can't derive proper meaning because good writing is all about clarity. And if you're obfuscating everything, then like nothing makes sense at the end of the day. Haven't people talked about how Nostradamus was actually a terrible writer? That is correct. And we're going to get into that at the end, too. Okay. So let us talk about um, a different way of viewing things, uh, according to Art and, and John. Or, again, I asked the same question I asked earlier, and that is that how can you be sure that the dire prophecies and predictions on the dire side that you relate to people don't, in fact, through the mass collective consciousness, actually set it into motion? I mean, don't you worry a little bit about that? I do all the time. It is, it is the one of the main ethical issues that I deal with in this this profession and it is it is definitely a possibility and that's why I hope that the people listening will will not just listen to what we're just touching upon here and will actually read my books and and read them completely yeah let me promo your book while we're at so here art asks what if the inverse is actually happening where you're quatrains and your interpretations of them are put out into the ether right into the kind of like the world and collectively subconsciously we sort of dictate things based on the things that you're putting out into the world right so it's kind of like it's not the it's like a, it's literally a self-fulfilling prophecy in that case yeah and and john uses it as a very smooth way to segue into promoting his book <laughs> I was gonna say, this man knows how to sell his books right and i thought it was yeah. really funny of him um sliding right into like you know people i worry about this too and people should read my book and find out why i feel 
like John Hogue is constantly just winking at us because he knows he's full of it. And he knows he's doing something he enjoys for a living, right? He's made a living out of this. He yeah. likes it. But he's doing it with a, a smile, a nod, and a wink. Yeah, I mean, he's a perennial talking head on all of these different shows about prophecies in the future and yeah. et cetera, right? So I I really don't think he actually believes any of this stuff. I think he's just really likes it and thinks it's cool and makes a job out of it. I, yeah. You know what? I wouldn't disagree with that assessment, though. I think there has to be a a drop of wanting to believe in these things. Yeah, right? like I said, don't get him started at a party. Right, right. So let's, let's talk about connectivity. Yeah, internet. Here we go. With regard to the next thousand years, we think we're connected now. We have a very young, uh, as of yet, internet. Although it's already changed the world. What happens in the next thousand years with regard to connectivity? Well, we, we interface. The Internet's just, uh, it won't be in the box on the screen. Maybe not even in, in another century will pass before uh, we're all like Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, we not, uh, we're all going to become Johnny Mnemonic, apparently. Did he, did he actually say Johnny Mnemonic in the, yes, he in the did. thing? He I don't did. know, the Keanu Reeves reference. Rife, right? If we're looking for uh, someone to play Nostradamus in a, a very um, interesting movie about him, I think Henry is right. We heard his, his British accent in Dracula and Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, right? That was a bad movie, correct? It was uh, an out there movie that deserves a viewing if you haven't done so since it came out in the early to mid 90s. I watched it in the 90s. I rented it. I remember renting it. Oh, and? I remember watching it and thinking, oh, there's a lot of uh, naughty bits in this movie. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be watching this. Let's go from the terrestrial to the extraterrestrial. So we, let's talk about aliens, right? Yeah, Art loves aliens. You, you would think that if they were well motivated, which we can hope, that if they did figure it out, they would go searching for others to help them make it through. Others that otherwise would not make it through. Yeah. It's it's like Gardeners of the Galaxy. I mean, uh, it, it, there are some theories. I mean, many people who believe in the Pleiadian ideas think that uh, human evolution is 50 million years old and we're basically a hybrid experiment or, or a spread of colonists uh, from Vega and from other stars. It's so funny how John Hogue describes, you know, different alien beings as like, you know, uh, the Gardeners of the Galaxy. Like there's a cleanup crew almost of like the tenders. Like, because the idea here is they're talking about the notion of Earth being this like very large scale experiment that goes on for millions of years right we're just we're just an arboretum for uh, or an insectarium for aliens to mess with well i just watched volume three of that of gardeners of the galaxy yeah great movie there's an actual living tree <laughs> and so one of my favorite moments of the episode happens right here uh well now prepare yourself uh here he comes uh this man claims to be the actual antichrist oh he's oh. probably been writing me Hello, Art. Hello there. Hello, have, John. Have you been writing to John? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, I wish he would give me uh, 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 an ad address so that I could send him uh, a copy of 590 of Nostradamus' prophecies that I am in or that my chosen ones are in. See, he's serious. You, oh. you really do believe yourself to be the Antichrist, don't you? Not, not, do, not only do I believe, Art, I am the Antichrist. I hear you. Well, um... How do you, I, I, out of curiosity, how do you know that? 
Uh, first off, let me give uh, uh, one prophecy of Nostradamus that will click with John, I'm sure. Sure. Um, I am Aries. I was born on Thursday, April the 11th, 1940. My mother is um, uh, born January the 20th, 1918. My father was born um, July the 18th, 1914. Those are keys for you to understand about my holy day, which is Thursday, and my Aries Ram sign. Mm. Does any of this mean anything to you, John? Well, the last bit uh, does have a correlation, but it also is open to another interpretation. They, they will worship Thursday as their day of worship, and that, that could also imply the America in general because of Thursday being Thanksgiving Day. Angela, we got the Antichrist in line. I just burst out laughing. When it was this pretty guy good. In. It was pretty because, good. again, is it a joke call? This guy sounded a lot more serious though he seemed really adamant that he was the antichrist and then uh, so when hogue is asked to reply he hogue says one of the funniest things here i have a file of i must i must get about once or twice a week uh people uh, coming to me or saying they're the messiah or the antichrist or mabas or or archangels and i have a whole whole file of, of very interesting people that uh, send me letters and emails and stuff on this issue. He claims to have a big file of all the different kooks that write to him. I would love to have a copy of that file. I would love to be able to go through. Like, I don't think your computer could hold that big of a no, PDF. No, I want him to fax me all of it. Oh, yeah. You got to run out of right toner. And okay, so, so this, 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 this guy calls. He's the Antichrist. He's apparently got reams of information about this. Yeah. He's like, if you come into my home, I'll tell you. So then Art kind of pushes back and says, um, I'm not saying you're not the Antichrist, but, and here's the clip. But, but see here, sir, here's the problem that I have. And I, I'm not saying you're not the Antichrist. You may right. well be. But one night, not long ago, mm -hmm. I opened the line, the Antichrist line, and I had a full night, a whole show full of people claiming to be the Antichrist. I understand that. Not perhaps as serious-sounding as you, but um, some of them are quite serious. So how are we to know? Um, unless and until um, you come and visit me and I show you reams, literally reams of information, and ancient bricks from Atlantis, because Atlantis is buried here in Atoka, Oklahoma, and other... Uh, signs that I have here and research that I've done and explain my birth, my six fingers, you, and so you on have, and so forth. You have six fingers? I was born with six fingers on each hand. On each yes, hand. Sir. Are you relating that to the, the number 666? Uh, the number 666 relates to sex. Six is the number of sex, by the way. It is? Yes. He has six fingers, Angelo. He killed Inigo Montoya's father. <laughs> uh, also, six equals sex. Did you know that? No. And so 666 is sex, sex, sex? Correct. Tell your children. XXX is Xander Cage. Just go and tell everyone you need to know. And just tell everyone, right? Xander Cage, shout out to you, Vin Diesel. Yeah. Or was that the Ice Cube one? There's two of them. There's, there's Triple X and there's Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube. Double density.
And then uh, Art makes a quick plug all about um, a recently departed in our timeline. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot uh, was going to join Art on September 29th. Uh, 1999 uh, what a canadian treasure angelo actually i was talking to steph about him yesterday before i even started listening to the episode because the his signature track sundown came on the radio and just, man what a blast was he a paranormal guy i didn't realize that he wasn't Gordon but like art loved having like like willie nelson on for example right like he'd have different rock and roll musicians on once in a he while talked about billy gibbons yep yeah exactly like he was friends with billy gibbons and stuff which is interesting to think he also that. mentions billy gibbons at the top of the episode too right about getting um some kind of phaser apparatus did he mention billy gibbons i, yeah. I don't remember him mentioning but because he yeah, mentioned yeah. him another time when he went in the vomit comic no, no no this was this was the beginning of the episode he mentioned oh, that i missed he, that he, he had like a weird studio phaser that he was trying to work on um and then like okay so john hoag says one of the truest things i actually love if everyone planted a tree now the earth would be better and i actually agree do we have enough room for eight billion trees we could figure that out angelo okay I think it's a great idea, but no, not everybody's going to do that because they're going to call us tree-planting hippies. Angela, can you read Aramaic, right? Because this is a discussion of the ancient languages that comes up. Only if I get possessed. <laughs> I really hope. Wasn't that a something in that movie with, uh, I want to say, what's her name? One of, the, one of the sisters, one of the Arquette sisters was in that. I want to say Patricia Arquette. Medium? No, it was a movie, Possession or something. And wasn't uh, Banna in it? Eric Banna. Movie? Eric Banna. Okay, hold on. You mean the Hulk? Yeah, he gets possessed by Gamma Rays. Deliver Us from Evil? No. Was that, that one of it. his movies? Yeah, but he's in that. I, I watched that. I didn't see that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, no, it's not that. Um, it's got Olivia Munn. Stigmata, that's the one. Oh, yeah, gosh. Okay, so that's another throwback there. That's another VHS rental. And it wasn't it wasn't uh, Eric Bana in it. She was in a different <laughs> one. So, but yeah, so she starts to read like somebody starts reading, uh, like Aramaic. Well, it's just like and, Evil Dead, right? If you read from the Book of the Dead, you open up that portal. Yeah, it was so it was uh, Patricia Arquette. I was right. Hey, I, I can't believe I I actually nailed like knowing that it was Patricia Arquette, Gabriel Byrne, Jonathan Price. Wow, I feel like I have a vague record. Enrico Colantoni. I like Enrico Colantoni. Very Canadian actor. He's in a lot of good Canadian stuff. One of my favorite kind of art uh, um, universe moments is when a caller calls in and gets mad about his bumper music and then art gets mad back at him. Yeah, what's what's up with that happening? There's some weird... There's a lot of self entitlement Yeah, so uh, well, coast to coast, though, now I'm having listened to more episodes. There was like an ongoing antagonistic relationship art had with some of his calls. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. They loved bothering him and they, he loved bothering them. I am sure they all left their radio on on purpose. Just to yell at him? Yeah, like there was one person who called and he was in a cast that couldn't get to his radio on time. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. There's a lot of kooks out there. A lot of, a lot of kooks, Angela. You could have uh, befriended if this were uh, I the right time here. Um, so, you know, except w- we're not here. Yeah, so, so, so now we... Uh, we go into, like, any predictions about the Internet here. Yeah, so let's drop the clip. Yeah, I was wondering if there's any Nostradamus predictions about the Internet. Well, good question. Uh, good question. Uh, all right. All right. I haven't seen anything directly yet, but uh, I'm still looking. Honestly, I appreciate Hogue being honest about uh, Nostradamus not seeing Y2K and Nostradamus not knowing about the Internet. Like, Nostradamus not making any mentions of the Internet, though, if we were to look at quatrains, we could probably find some kind of interpretation to say. Maybe. Yeah, talk about the Internet here. But, but like... Art nails how like fiber optics is gonna change our 
our internet life. Anyway. Correct. But I mean, like that was already on the way in the nineties, right? So it wasn't a huge jump to make. Art Bell, the futurist. <laughs> I mean, like, listen, like, like cable internet, right? Fi- like fiber optics was in existence in 1999. It was That's true. It was much rarer than it is now, but it was, it was available commercially. We're both on cable internet. Although mine is like cable fiber internet is what right. they, they advertise it as, which I think is BS. But anyway, it, it's fast. That's all. It's, it's fast. It's more than enough for what I need. Okay. So let us talk then about n- what you need to understand Nostradamus, Angelo. This was probably the most annoying uh, Hogue got when he talked about his work. Because somebody called in to actually want to have a more deep understanding. Before he starts believing these things, he wants to actually have an understanding of everything. And and John Hogue basically just cuts him down and says, no, 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 you need years of training. You have to hold, spend your whole life learning the languages that he used and studying well, his Well, he's talking about French, right? So he says you need to learn French, but not just French, but the regional dialects of the, the, the era, right? Which I thought was interesting. And that led me to the question. I couldn't find any answers because I did some Googling. I looked on YouTube. I've never seen John Hogue being interviewed in French. So if anyone has any links to John Hogue being interviewed in French, I would love to hear them because I've been unable to kind of find them, right? Because if we are to understand that not only can he understand French, he can understand old-timey French, then there should be some way of backing it up in terms of him being able to read certain things. Yeah, because I was able to find the clip of Nacho from Better Call Saul speaking French because this week I discovered he's from Montreal. Yeah. I had no idea. He speaks French perfectly. Yeah. Well, he's and, actually uh, is actually is his first language, which I, you would not be able to tell no, watching exactly. Better Call Saul. Like I could usually somebody in a in any sort of TV show unless they're trying to put on an accent, if they're speaking English and they're from Quebec, you could tell. I can totally tell yeah. they're from Because it's either like a slightly Italian way or there's certainly that they pronounce things that you don't hear pronunciations either in the Maritimes or um uh you know Ontario for example, right? And this is coming full circle because I started watching Orphan Black this week. Great show with uh, She-Hulk herself. Uh, Tatiana Maslany is, is in it, which was her first uh, major role. And uh, there's, her, there's somebody, a uh, police officer in the show, and his name is Arthur Bell. Oh, well, there And he goes by right? the name Art. Do you think that was a mistake? That must be on purpose. Come on. Of course. Of course. But, but yeah, there's this conspiracies whole idea like... upon conspiracies in this show. So... so um, to bring it back, though, to the point we we're talking about is that the funny thing is that, of course, Hogue does a very smart thing here, Angelo. He gatekeeps, but he gatekeeps in such a particular kind of way that in order to overcome that, you, in theory, would need decades and decades of training, which I thought was very interesting because he yeah. here positions himself as a singular entity who knows all of these different things, who knows how to speak different ways of uh, different dialects of, of French from the past centuries in order to understand what is going on. But not only that, but to interpret it appropriately right so i'm kind of wondering what kind of training goes into all of those different years right because um, it's clear that you and i just a bunch of chumps probably couldn't do it even though we speak pretty good french yeah and i i, I feel like it all just comes down to no you gotta buy books well yeah you gotta buy the book you just gotta trust me bro is kind of the language here right which is yeah. like the the way in which we often love to do um position people who are essentially like grifters or people who like to take advantage of the public and make a little bit of money being um, paranormal figures. I will say though, John Hogue does it in style. <laughs> he does it in style. And like, once again, like I agree with a lot of what he says. It's just when you layer in the timeline, when you layer in the, the angle of where it came from, 
right? Because the idea of like planting trees, the idea of like ecological disaster, these are real threats. These are real problems. But just to yeah. say that like someone foretold these, like I don't, uh, no, no, no. These are the consequences of humans' actions. Exactly. Nostradamus did not see it. Is there any chance that Nostradamus was not even a real person? Oh, he was. It was documented. He was a real okay, person. Okay, he's documented. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, there's enough information existing out there that he was real, um, that he wasn't some sort of composite figure. Unless we get into the whole, like, Shakespeare wasn't actually Shakespeare conversation, too, which is in a whole other kind of strand we could get into, which we won't. But we're Let's bring up it. Jesus. No, why not? Why not? So, Angela, what did you think of John Hogue, uh, the episode? Did you, were, were you entertained? How many, how many prophecies out of, uh, how many successful prophecies out of five would you rate this? Oh, uh, four and a half. Yeah, like the, the last the, the half, fire. yeah, oh yeah, and the half prophecy is like almost nailed it. Yeah, I feel like apart from the uh, fake Australian doctor from the first time we did this thing, <laughs> yes. he's like up there with like people I would like to go hang out with and maybe grab a cup of coffee. Until I got really annoyed with his like wet blanketness. Well, I was gonna say until you could get up and leave, right? Yeah. But I think I'd like to just like hang out with him. Although he feel, I wonder if he would just be like a one trick pony, and all he knows to talk about is this. Is no, Nostradamus? He has a background in theater. I think he can talk. Yeah, about you things. know what? You're right. I think. And just I think go to, probably, okay, like, so let us quickly go to HogueProphecy dot com. Right, um, July thirty first. What makes James Cameron and Avatar Saga the next step after Richard Wagner's Ring Cycle and advancing the total arc form of the future? What the fuck? That's a bad sentence. Um, Ukrainian war report. You can talk about the Ukrainian war report. Is he a is he a um, like right winger? Like Let nutty. Just, I'm like, kind of curious. I'm going to type in QAnon and see what comes up. Yeah, because he. Yeah, I worry that he might be in the into that. Uh, hold on. Let me just QAnon. Any chance? Is there an email address you can email him and we get like a good get like a, and get he, him he on has the like show? A, your favorite thing. He has a form. Okay. Oh, fill out our form. Double density. Okay, let me just do that, uh, Brian. Angela. So you're doing this live on the show. Double density podcast at gmail.com. No he sure. would he strikes me as a M-A-N-A. guest that would charge us to be on our show. No, no, no I'm just asking no Nostradamus and Kieran. Um uh, hi John and company. Just curious if Nostradamus foretold anything related to the anon phenomenon. I put phenomenon in quotes. Yeah. Thanks the- in advance. The great fool will take office and then be arraigned. All right, it's been done, Angelo. We'll see what happens here. I'm kind of curious. I hope he answers us this week and we can talk about it next week. God, it'd be incredible if he did. And you become his friend? You guys become beard buddies. Oh, so before I forget, Angelo, so on his contact form, there's a... You can leave comments on each page on this website, including the contact form. So there is one entry from uh, November 3rd, 2013 by Kamal, who says, I know what Mabus is. Mabus is a date. 1401-2014. What happened on uh, on uh, December? Something on will happen 14th. on this date. See if I am right, but he spelled right W-R-I-G-H-T. Uh, nothing happened uh, on that date, Angela. Okay. Anyways, so, you know. Actually, uh, this I think month- I bought my car that day. <laughs> so this is a bad day for you then. Yeah, no, I love my car. Anyways, all that to say, we did John Hogue. I'm kind of curious if anyone has any opinions about John Hogue and prophecies, double density podcast at gmail.com or Angelo, where can people, you know, otherwise contact us? Well, I mentioned it before, doubledensity.net. There's a form they can fill out. It's really great. Yeah. Don't ask us any prophecy questions, though. We're not going to answer any of those. Well, we'll just answer with vague platitudes. We could come up with some quatrains together, I think, right? Maybe that should be a goal for us for next year. Like uh, at the end of 2023, we'll write two or three quatrains each. 
Yeah. Good so, idea. Speaking of that. I um, predict I will not do that. You and I uh, keep in contact pretty regularly, and I was pitching to you the idea of the next C2C episode. And the reason I did that is because one of our earlier episodes, episode 36, it was entitled Rod Nostradamus. And it's, it's always a name that's been stuck in my head. And so I was thinking next month for Coast to Coast, we can do Jose Escamilla on Coast to Coast AM because um, he appeared a bunch of times. Um, talking about you know the Rod theory, talking about his 60-minute video and uh, how Rods are real. And I would love to dissect that. I think your cat just walked into the room because I saw your door slowly open. Oh, yeah. She's eating, she's eating dry food right now. I'm staring at her. Yeah. I'm staring yeah. at her. She, uh, I, uh, this is my office. This is where the cat lives. This is the storage space. This is everything here. My poor cat this morning, her automatic feeder only let out three nuggets of food. <laughs> but then <laughs> the, next, the, but the next one made... But like... Like, wow, you ate your food fast. but She was just confused for a little moment there, right? Yeah, she was a little upset. Angelo, this has been it for episode 237 of the Double Density Podcast. And people can go ahead and, you know, like and rate us, right? Correct? Always. On your podcasting uh, platform of choice, leave us a review. Yeah. A star rating, five, good, four, okay, three and under, don't do it. No, that mean. Exactly. I predict I will not be happy if you do that. <laughs> well, thank you for your prediction, Angelo. I appreciate yeah. it. So tune in next episode as Angela and I write prophecies for the next 40 years, and we're going to make Angela's children act them out in a three-hour play. Angela, I shall see you then. See you then.